The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord was, has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is a light into our paths. Lord, it guides us and directs us in the way we should go. We thank you for the anointing of your word that it cuts forth into our lives and changes us. We pray, Father, for Randall as he speaks it forth into our lives that you would do just that. Cut forth into our hearts, divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow, Lord. We give you this time in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Good morning. Well, my name's Randall, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace City, and we're um, in a series right now called Everyday Gospel. And so if you're new this morning, I'm glad you're here. Um, and this is really the heartbeat behind our church. You say, well, what is Grace City about? We are a gospel-centered church. And so last week, we had our two-year anniversary, and we talked about really the gospel and how it applies to my life. Uh, what, what is the message of Jesus and how does it apply to me personally today? And so if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to download the app, check out the podcast, um, and, and listen in as we went through Ephesians 2. Now, what you're going to see in this series is we're going to jump around throughout the Bible at different stories and places um, because here's the thing, and I want you to know this. The, the Bible, all throughout, you will see the gospel message everywhere. So it's not just in the New Testament that we're going to see Jesus in the gospel, but you're going to see it in the Old Testament scriptures as well. And so our text today is Genesis 29, 31 through 35. And we're looking at the story of Leah. And throughout the story of Leah, what you're going to see is that the message of Jesus is threaded all through this story. Uh, our message today is this, gospel, the gospel, and relationships. The gospel and relationships. And so last week, to recap a little bit, we, we looked at the question as this. Is at the beginning, we said, what is the gospel? So if you're new to church or, or you're just new to Christianity and the message of Jesus, you say, well, what, what is the gospel? Why does he keep saying that word? Here's what the gospel means. The gospel means good news. It's an, an announcement. See, the Bible is not primarily about good advice for your life and how to make my life better. But instead, what it is, it's a, an announcement about some good news. Now, what's the good news? The good news is this, that God has done everything to rescue messy, sinful people. And so it's not an emphasis on what you do, but on what God has done, what God does. You see, the message of Christianity is that in our darkest moments, God is the hero. 
And so today, we're gonna look at how the gospel meets us in our relationships and how God is the hero through the mess. As we look at today's text, what we find is that relationships are messy, right? As, as you listen into that scripture, you said, wow, that's, that's heavy. See, it's much like when I look at my Facebook news feed and I see people I went to high school with and I think to myself, wow, that person married that person or this person is hooking up with them or what, those people aren't friends anymore or even more serious things when I think of, oh no, like that person's separated or divorced. See, as you look through the Old Testament, you will see the reality, the messy reality of relationships and that it's not clean cut up and to the right, everything's better, it's the fairy tale dream. But instead, it, it addresses the, the tension and the struggle that we all have in relationships. Deep down, what is it that we're all looking for? What is it that Leah was looking for in today's text? The hope for true love. True love, to be loved, to be understood. In August of this year, an article came out on the website dailymail.com called Love Really Is a Numbers Game. And here's what it said. Disney movies make it look easy, but new research has shown just how difficult it is to meet the one in real life. A new study has found that the chance of finding love on a given day is just one in 562 if you leave it entirely to fate. See, th that's kind of why I like the movie Frozen. Because if you've seen Frozen, not everybody is Prince Charming. You've got like the conniving guy who really didn't love her, right? As I'm watching the movie, I look at my daughter and I say, see, see, <laughs> right there. You better tell me, because my, my five-year-old recently came back home from school, and she says, Daddy, this boy loves me so much. What's his name? What's his name? You know, like, <laughs> to give me some information here. Who is he? Just watch Frozen. <laughs> There's something in all of us that needs to be loved, Right? But even according to the stats, it's not easy, it's difficult, it's hard. In our text today, Genesis 29, 31 through 35, we find a woman named Leah who longs for true love. But because of the culture in which she lived, she doesn't get a choice in it all. And if you were to describe her relational status, it would be hashtag it's complicated. It is so complicated. Because here's what happened. I'm going to go through it. It says, her, here, here's what happened. Her dad, Laban, tricks a man named Jacob into working for him for seven years and then secretly uses his daughter Leah as a trading chip to marry him when he thought he was going to marry the sister Rachel. And you say, well, how does that happen? A lot of drinking and no electricity. That's it. Like, right, you know, it's like, okay, that, that's what happened. And so Jacob, 
finds out the next morning that he's not married to Rachel, but instead to Leah, and he's furious because he's been tricked. And then works another seven years to marry his one true love, her sister. In a very real sense, Leah is stuck in this strange love triangle, most likely living as a single parent raising her kids, hoping one day that her husband might love her. I mean, it's made for TV, right? And so how does the gospel and all of the messiness and things that we say, that's not right, but yet was a reality in this culture. And, and just because the Bible says that these types of things happen doesn't mean that it was right. It's just honest about the messiness of life and decisions that people make. And so we catch up with Leah here and we say, okay, well, how does the gospel meet Leah and her relationships? Well, it meets her in three ways. And I'm gonna give you all three up front. And so we're gonna break it down from the scriptures, but here's the three up front. The first one is, it meets her in the struggle. Second, in the search. And third, in the solution. The struggle, the search, the solution. And so the first one is, number one, in the struggle. Look at verse 31. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. What's the struggle? It simply says that Leah was hated. See, it's the stark contrast to Genesis 29, 18, which says Jacob loved Rachel. It literally means that she was unloved. And threaded throughout this story, in this text, you're gonna find that she has this longing for Jacob's affection. If he would just love me. See, why is she so unloved? Verse 17, earlier in chapter 29, tells us, it says that Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now, different commentators on this particular verse say, well, what, what is it with Leah and, and what is it with her eyes? They say there could have been some blindness in her eyes. She could have been cross-eyed. There could have been something there for her that somebody looked at her and said, well, she's just not something I would want to look at. She's not someone that I'm attracted to. But Rachel it says was beautiful in form and so physically she was attractive. In her appearance, it says that her face was beautiful. And so everything was this out, out, uh, outside exterior thing about Rachel that drew Jacob to her but Leah didn't have that. We say to ourselves, well, I mean how shallow could Jacob be as a person. I mean, how could he treat her like this? That's wrong. But it's the same standard in which we judge people today. Dr. Steve Carter, chief scientist at eHarmony, said this. He says, unfortunately, most of us are not so skilled at finding the right person and may often repeat unsuccessful strategies. This is because as daters, 
We mostly choose partners based on elements of attraction largely unrelated to long-term success. So for a lot of us, the, the way that we view people is we say, well, it's just the exterior. And so obviously that's going to be enough to make it work. But there's so much more. See, what was it that ultimately controlled Jacob in his life, in his relationships? It was lust. See, verse 21, if you read through this whole narrative, makes translators uncomfortable because of how forthright Jacob is with Laban, now his father-in-law, about sleeping with Rachel. He was controlled by lust. But through the struggle, we find the gospel thread for Leah because here's what it says. It's just three words. It says, the Lord saw. The Lord saw. Gordon Wenham, who's a, a, a commentator on this text, says, when the Lord sees, he intends to act decisively, often in defense of the weak and the oppressed. What we find is that Leah didn't have a choice in this whole messy scenario. She was thrust into it by her father, who is just one of those conniving type of people. And he throws her in as a trade ship to get more work out of this guy. He says, I think I could get something out of Jacob. And so he uses his daughter to get what he wants. It's ugly, it's messy, it's, it's wrong. But the Lord saw. He saw her struggle. He saw her pain. And in the midst of the struggle, it says that the Lord opens Leah's womb to have children. And so the second point that we see is there that we start within the struggle like the Lord sees, but then we see the search. The search. Verse 32 through 34, let's see what it says. It says, And Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. But then he goes to verse 33. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. Leah now, because of God, immediately in verse 32 becomes a mother. And what she thinks is this. My search for love has finally ended because I've given birth to a son. Finally, my husband's gonna love me. I mean, do you see it right there in verse 32? For now my husband will love me. Again, commentator Gordon Wenham says this, in most traditional societies, motherhood is perceived as the crowning joy of a woman's life. Leah hoped that the birth of Reuben would remedy the situation. 
but it did not. It's continuation that I am unloved shows her bitter disappointment at Jacob's failure to accept her despite the birth of Reuben. Let me ask you this. Have you, have you ever been in a relationship where it, where it felt like if I do this, then I'll finally be loved. If I push this boundary, if I go too far, if I do this thing, like I know it's in my heart it's wrong, but if I do this, then maybe that will fix the relationship. Maybe I'll finally get what I've been looking for. You see, for Leah, it was physical. If I give myself sexually over to my husband, put my body through the agony of childbearing, then of course, he would have to look at me and he would have to love me. See, at this point, Leah is putting her hope in her ability and in what she could do and her ability to try and fix her marriage, her relationship. And what she finds is this, that for Jacob, it's never enough. And the crowning jewel of that society would have been to have three sons. Yet it was never enough for Jacob. Elizabeth Elliot in her book, Passion and Purity, says this. Women still dream and hope, pin their emotions on some man who doesn't reciprocate and end up in confusion. Leah pinned her hopes to Jacob and she was left in confusion. But then we finally get to the solution in verse 35. And so let's look at this together. It says in this, the third point, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Leah, in this verse, finally finds the solution to her pain. Do you see it? She says, this time, as she's looking back at the past, as she's looking back at all of the things that she pinned her hope on before, she says, this time, I'll praise the Lord. I'll praise the Lord. Early church father Augustine once said, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him, the greatest adventure. To find him, the greatest human achievement. What she found was that the solution for her wasn't to try and fix her outside circumstances, but to find that there was a God in the middle of it. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the pain. That he found her. She said, this time I'll praise the Lord. Verse 35 ends with the phrase, she ceased bearing. See, there, there are a lot of possibilities about what this could mean. It's very, very open-ended in that. But again, the commentary that was helpful for me was Gordon Wenham, and he says this. He says, it's helpful to ask this question. 
is Leah acknowledging that giving herself physically, sexually over to her husband without love is pointless. It's pointless. We live in a culture right now that says that love and making love is all about sex. It's all about the physical. And what we find here is that it, it was never enough. It was never enough. She's finally found her solution in praising God without trying to control the outcome. Because you see what she said? It doesn't say, this time I'll praise the Lord and my husband's gonna love me. She doesn't say that. But she released the outcome into God's hands. See, she's finally resting in all that God can do and has done. She settled in that. And so just some takeaways today. Let me ask three questions that can help us process how the gospel changes our relationships. And I, this is for all of us. But the first one is this. Do, do you believe God sees and hears your struggle? Do you actually believe that he's like in the middle of the relational tension, the hardship, the difficulties, the feeling like, okay, am I ever going to be loved? Do you believe that God is in the middle of that struggle? See, through this story, we find that God sees and speaks into Leah's relational angst. Do you know where she started to hear God more in her life? in the mess. And as she's there, she looks to God and she keeps saying, okay, God, am I getting it right this time? But she had to wrestle through it. And here's the cool part about God. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. There will be things that you'll read in the scripture that you're like, man, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know how to wrestle with this, deal with this. But if we were to uncover our lives and peel everything back, we would see that, that it's not all clean cut. And that God says, I'll be right there with you. You see, he faces it head on. You feel like you've messed up too bad or you're in a hopeless situation. Just remember that God hears call to him. And I just want to give a side note. It, just know that doesn't mean that everything will be perfect afterwards. Well, I prayed about it, so should all just be straightened out, right? No, for, for Leah, from all that we know, she lived in this relational mess till she died. But she found relief in knowing that God heard her pleas, loved her when she was unloved, and she finally trusted the outcome. 
So do you believe that God hears and sees you where you're at right now? The second question is, are you searching? Are you searching? For Leah, it was offering her physical body, hoping that she would be loved. And it's very easy to do in our culture today. Instagram, social media, every form that you can think of to try and get approval and say, maybe people will give me attention or love me because of this or that. See, it's lifting up sexual desires, our longing for love, our dream for a family, just searching, searching, searching. There will always be people, listen to me, there will always be people who make us feel like we are incomplete. If we're not married yet and we're at an age in life where people say, well, you should be married by now. We're not. People will try to make you feel incomplete. If you don't have kids, when are you having kids? Just put this pressure, like you just got married. Like what? But putting this pressure on you, try and make you feel incomplete. And, and you can search your whole life trying to find that. But what this story tells us is that our search is hopeless without God. It's hopeless without God. See, there was something that happened over time. Ernest Becker wrote this book in 1974 called The Denial of Death. And in it, he talks about something called the romantic solution. The romantic solution. So our culture today has believed this lie that has been told over and over and over again. That to complete us, we need to have somebody else. We need to be in love. And so it's the romantic solution because here's what happened. Over time, we've, we've stopped believing in God. We said God's out of the equation. There is no God. So we've got to find meaning in something else. And if I could find meaning in somebody else that would, that would love me, that will be my solution. That will be the romantic solution for my life. That will be the meaning of my life. If I could just be loved by another human being, then my life means something. It's secularism, it's, it's modernism, it's, it's the lie that your value is based on if somebody else loves you or not. Because we've kicked God out of it and said that God, you're not there. There's a man named Sam Alberry, incredible man. Here's what he says. He says, my pr primary sense of worth and fulfillment as a human being is not contingent on being romantically or sexually fulfilled. And this is liberating. The most fully human and complete person who ever lived was Jesus Christ. He never married, he was never in a romantic relationship and never had sex. If we say these things are intrinsic to human fulfillment, we are calling our savior subhuman. Sam Alberry is a pastor. Had been bullied his whole life because throughout his whole life he'd struggled with same-sex attraction. 
and he's standing as he gives this speech, February 17th, 2017, before a group of people who are saying, okay, we believe in marriage being between a man and a woman. He's standing before them saying, I agree with that. But he's saying, I've been bullied. I've been bullied my whole life in places like this. But I don't find, he said, I don't find my identity in sexual orientation. I find it in Jesus Christ. He said, I will serve Jesus and live out the ways of Jesus my whole life. He's making this appeal to people, he said, that have made him feel less of a human being. He finds his fulfillment in Jesus. Are you searching today and feeling subhuman, less valuable, less of a person because you don't have a dating relationship going on right now? I just want you to know that the search will be There is no end to that search until you start to see what Leah saw when she says, this time, this time, I will praise the Lord. I will praise him. Last point, do you have any idols that are holding you captive? Timothy Keller gives a helpful description of an idol. An idol is usually a good thing that we make ultimate. We say, unless I have that, I am nothing. This story exposed Leah's idols. See, for her to be, to want to be loved, for her to be in a relationship where her husband loved her is not a bad thing. It's not. But she made a good thing a God thing. And it was the God of her life. And it was ruling her life and her decisions and how she acted. And so now what what we find is that God gives us an invitation and says, Put the idols aside. Put the tinder aside just for a second, right? Put it aside. And just know that you can have love and value in God. See, she put Jacob above God. And we can do the same thing. Are there relationships that you're putting above God? right now Jesus says in Matthew 6:33 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you Right like this this verse specifically he's talking about worry, concern, anxieties that we feel inside And the whole point of that verse was that God sees you. God sees you in the pain. He sees you in the struggle. He understands because here's the truth. We say, man, I want to be understood. I want to be so understood. 
the most loving person that I know on this earth for me is my wife, Laura. Been married for 12 years. There are times where I talk to my wife and she looks back at me and she says, I don't understand that. I understand what you're going through. I understand why you're, you know, like, I don't understand, understand that. And there will be times where I look at her and I say, I don't really understand that right now. I don't understand. That. As much as I love you, I don't understand that. There is only one that will be able to understand you inside and out. And it's not even the spouse that you dream about someday. It's not your kids. Because they definitely don't understand me, right? (laughs) But God, and he looks at you and he has compassion on you and love for you in the difficulty, in the struggle, and you can be honest about it. You can be completely transparent and honest. He says, I love you. I understand. See, how today can we say that there's a God who understands in the midst of this? Well, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Because you remember Judah says, this time I'll praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Fast forward thousands of years later. We get to the very first book of the Gospels. It's Matthew. And what Matthew does is he says, you know, I want to go through some of the lineage of Jesus. I want to go back to show you all the people that are in the line of of Jesus Christ. And as he's going through these names, he says, and then there's Judah, son of Jacob. You know how Jesus Christ came into the world? He came not through Rachel, not through the beautiful one who had it all. She had the love of her husband, not her. He came through the one who was hated, the one who was despised, the one who was unloved, and she struggled her whole life, saying, could I just get some love? But the whole time, the Lord did not only see her, he eventually would come and say, I'll experience it. Because you know what it says in Isaiah? Because he he could have come anyway, but here's what it says, Isaiah 53, two through three. It says, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Leah had weak eyes. Jesus was hard to look at. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Hated. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Do you want to know the gospel today? That in our struggle, in the real struggles, in the relational struggles, in the hardships of life, 
God says, I don't just see you. I'm gonna come. And I'm gonna choose to come in the hardest way possible. I'm gonna become nothing. I'm gonna be looked upon as people don't even wanna be around me because of the way that I look. I'll come like that. And he was treated subhuman as we put him on a cross, as he was beaten for our sins. And he died alone, hated on the cross. Why? True love. True love. See, the thing we've been searching for our whole time, the romantic solution is not found in a love partner. It is found in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel today. And when you know that, and you find your identity in him, you won't put a crushing weight on the people around you to be the relationship that you've always needed because you've already found it in him. And you can love that other person for who they are, not expecting them to be the savior that only Jesus could be. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that as we look at the scriptures today, as we see, Lord, the gospel, the truth, that as Leah was hated, Lord, you were hated more. You were misunderstood, and you did it out of love, true love. And so, Lord, today, if there's anything that is going on in our lives where we're giving ourselves over to things, behaviors, just beliefs that are not of you, God, Pray that we'll just lay him down at the feet of Jesus. And just ask God that you transform our lives. Lord, we, when we find you, we can say this time, I will praise the Lord. I've looked a lot of other places, but this time, I'll praise the Lord. I've looked for love in a lot of different places and times, but this time, I'll praise the Lord. May we find Jesus today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.